Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. We're back. I'm Joe Galina, and I'm here with my buddy, Scott Chu. Scott, it's been a couple weeks. How are you doing, man? You know, I, I had I had some uh, some medication side effects to get through. I'd forgotten what it was like to cold sweat. Mm. I hadn't done that in a while. And let me tell you, as unpleasant as I uh, as I remembered, it was horrible. But anyway, <laughs> I'm feeling better, and uh, I've been having fun with with the hitter list. I've expanded it uh, the mm-hmm. last two weeks since we've been out to include mm. thirty more hitters. Wow, uh, which has been been fun, time consuming, but fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's I've been challenging myself to actually look at more players instead of just assuming I, I know what they do. And there you go. Because, because being wrong is second nature to me. You know, being wrong just means you tried, right? And then, then eventually you'll be right. So, uh, you know, I had some health issues as well. I uh, couldn't speak. And how, you, how do you record a podcast when you can't speak? But the important part, uh, important part of this is that we're here together again and we get to talk baseball. So since uh, our last get together, Scott, we've had a, a couple of managerial firings. Uh, Joe, a couple of Joes are no longer managing teams. Joe Madden uh, fired by the Angels, and uh, Joe Girardi fired by the Phillies, and uh, Tony Larusa, Chicago White Sox manager, uh, probably should be on his way out, but uh, his eighty-six-year-old best friend. Jerry Reinsdorf, who's the owner of the White Sox, uh, is his, like I said, is his buddy. And I don't know if Jerry's going to make the move. And uh, of course, there was, you know, like a, we're a week late, but uh, Larusa intentionally walking Trey Turner when he had a one and two count on him. And then, uh, you know, vociferously uh, defending his move, saying, hey, do you know what this guy does when he has a one and two count on him? I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy stuff. But any instances where a manager or a player's environment causes you to either avoid him or on the positive side might cause you to uh, pursue them in a trade based on uh, the manager that they play for. I mean, I know uh, at the start of the season we were talking about Buck Showalter. So many people were concerned about him managing Starling Marte, and Marte's doing fine. The, the, uh, Showalter's letting him run. But uh, it, th- th- does uh, the environment, a player's environment, affect you in fantasy? Not as much as it affects like my, my love of watching baseball. Uh, like there's managers that I watch that just make me cringe all the time, like Tony Larusa. But mm. there's very few players I worry about. I think one that stands out is actually a a player for Tony Larusa who continues to play well and gets jerked around, and it's Andrew Vaughn. Mm. So you know that's one where it's not so much that I avoid Andrew Vaughn. It's just that it's been very difficult for me to rank him where I want to rank him based on talent and potential because Tony Larusa quite literally holds him back. It's like, I mean, he's a sandbag for Andrew Vaughn. Um, so, so that's the kind of thing where play, like certain managers just think a player uh, can do certain things and Hey, maybe he knows something I don't, but it sure mm. seems like Andrew Vaughn should have, for a long time now had a stable spot in the lineup, uh, an understanding of his role. And I still don't think we know what he's supposed to be doing. I'm not sure he knows all the time what he's supposed to be doing. So that's when I get concerned. It's when I see managers jerking into like certain players around. And sometimes I, I can't tell if it's to try to spark a guy or what, but sometimes you're like, would you quit putting spices in the pot and mm. just, <laughs> just let it cook for God's sake. Like yeah. that's kind of where it's kind of where I get in. And it's not unlike football where you can have coaching philosophies, but they 
it's actually, it's less than football in that like managers don't call plays because the play every play is throw a strike or hit the ball. So it's like there's not, not as much they can't control it as much, but they make lineup decisions and lineup decisions matter. Yeah, and and if a player doesn't know his specific role on the team, doesn't know if he's going to be in and out of the lineup, uh, you know, on a day by day basis, that's going to affect him. And and you mentioned Vaughn; he's having a fine season so far. Uh, first forty two games, six home runs, twenty eight RBI, and a two ninety batting average with a three forty seven OBP. So yeah, I, I I see exactly what you're talking about. And we're going to stick with the White Sox because there was you know as we were preparing to to. Uh, record this podcast and it is Tuesday the 14th at about 8 40 p.m. Uh, news just kept on breaking throughout the afternoon. Leon Hendricks uh, regarded as one of the best closers in the game in preseason drafts uh, was placed on the IL with a forearm strain and whenever you hear forearm strain you, 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 I, I just get the chills Scott I mean and so in my opinion uh, Kendall Graveman is the pitcher to own likely to get most of the save opportunities you got Aaron Bummer who's another reliever who might eventually get some save opportunities depending on how long Hendricks is going to be out but he's on the IL and uh, like I said as it was recording this on Tuesday night and and as of Tuesday, because Graveman had pitched two days in a row, uh, Daryl Van Schuen, uh, who covers uh, the White Sox, tweeted that Joe Kelly is going to be the guy tonight. So I guess Kelly would be someone to also consider down the line as a sleeper. I mean, yeah, kind of. Um, Joe Kelly actually also just came off the IL, which is kind of weird. He had some hamstring issues there, but mm-hmm. Joe Kelly... He's been obviously he you know he's had he had a real resurgence in 2020 and 2021 with the Dodgers and I just he hasn't pitched much uh, and when he has pitched he's walked a ton of guys so you know I'm a little I'm a little concerned there but you know he did throw three scoreless outings in AAA before he came up he's 34 I, I think it's Kendall Graveman though especially yeah. when you think of how well Graveman performed when closing for the A's. Uh, not yep. too long ago. So Aaron Bummer is a guy I think is very interesting. But again, like you mentioned, he just went down as well. So yeah. mm-hmm. so poor, poor White Sox have to not just deal with Tony La Russa, but then they have to deal with actual problems. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then they've got to play baseball. And that's mm. hard. Mm. Uh, and you got, uh, like Tony, you said, Tony La Russa uh, making up that lineup court every day. So, I mean, I guess if I'm, you know, with a forearm strain, if I'm the White Sox, you know, uh, maybe just uh, they, they said he'd probably be on the I.L. for at least three weeks. If I'm the White Sox, I keep him on the I.L. till the All-Star break, then bring him back. I mean, just stay close in that uh, wild card race. But uh, that's just me. But who, who knows? Hopefully, hopefully a good point there, just because this is a premium I.L. hold. Like yeah. if you only have two I.L. spots in your league and I have a couple of these and it's super annoying premium IL hold it's unlikely you have two players better than this on your IL unless you drafted a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. or something right so, right uh, yeah your, your question is not what do I do with Liam Hendricks it's what do I do with the guy that has to come off the IL for Liam Hendricks yeah and, and you mentioned uh Tatis Jr. he actually there was some bad news that came out right they're gonna uh extend his time on the IL they expected him to be uh, a, a little bit uh better place than he is right now right did that come out today yeah he uh he had um he had a a scan today it's not quite where they want for a full green light what he's waiting for is is to really like ramp up his baseball activities so they're not pulling him 
back necessarily. It seems more like they wanted to step forward and instead they're treading water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another big name hitting the IL, uh, Braves second baseman Ozzy Albies fractured his left foot and is going to miss uh, about two months. He's on the 60 day IL and it's tough to replace a guy like Albies. And, uh, you know, he's had basically, in my opinion, a mediocre season, you know, 244 batting average, eight home runs, three stolen bases. What caught my eye also was the f- league leading five caught steals. Uh, uh, but uh, they actually, in my opinion, have someone that uh, might catch fire in Orlando Arcia, former highly, 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 highly regarded Brewers prospect uh, who should get the bulk of playing time at second base while Arcia is on the IL, uh, or, uh, while um, Albies is on the IL. I'm there, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, Arcia has a little pop, a little speed, still just 27 years old. I mean, you can't really replace a guy like Albies, but, uh, you know, Arcia could catch fire. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen uh, a little bit of what Arcia can do. Really, the issue for him has been historically that that uh, he doesn't make strong contact. He can make plenty of it, but he just hits so many balls on the ground uh, in a very, I mean, it's obviously been a very, very small sample size this year. He hasn't done that yet, but of course he only has 56 plate appearances with the, uh, with Atlanta so far hitting well in them 313, uh, with a 12 and a half percent walk rate, 25% strikeout rate. So exactly two to one, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's got this like dramatic upside, but like you mentioned, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed should be able to hit for some average. And I think that he, he can be useful in very deep leagues. I think mm-hmm. everyone else, uh, you know, our, our standard 10, 12 teamers, um, they've already, they, they probably have been thinking about making a, a replacement for quite some time. Uh, the thing that really, like the player I think that is really impacted besides Arcia in this is Dansby Swanson. So mm-hmm. Dansby Swanson and Ozzy Albies have for several years now sort of played as foils to each other. One of them would end up hitting second or first and the other one would end up hitting like sixth or seventh. Right. They never hit next to each other. It's the most it's the weirdest thing, but they would flip them around. And I've talked about this before, but uh, basically whoever gets put on the bottom uh, is in a much, much worse position. Right. Mm. Uh, especially because you know, you'd rather hit in front of the, the talent that they have. And you also want to hit right behind Ronald Acuna Jr. It's a good way to get some cheap RBI. So I think that he's going to be just absolutely locked in to the number two spot for the rest of the season. Uh, Albies was the only person that had any shot to take it from him. I just don't see that happening. So Dansby Swanson stock has actually gone up for me, which is mm. crazy because he's of how good he's been to think that his yeah. stock could go up. But now that I have another piece of certainty that he is going to be in you know, a premier lineup spot in all of fantasy baseball, which is hitting behind Ronald Acuna Jr. and in front of uh, Austin Riley. Hmm. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about his ability to maybe not sustain the the success he's had so far because he's been ridiculously good. But Mm -hmm. uh, I certainly think that he can be maybe like a 20 to, you know, 23 to 25 home run guy. Uh, and because he's now at the top of the order, I also think they're going to let him run a little bit, especially if Austin Riley doesn't drive him home. So uh, he'll run and he's already stolen nine bases. He's one away from his career high. So I mm-hmm. think he could, I mean, even if he just goes back to being the normal guy, he usually is, he's got a shot at 15. Yeah. So you know, 25, 15 with a, you know, with an okay batting average, he's not going to hit 292 all year, but Dansby Swanson could absolutely hit 270 for the rest of the year, uh, yep. two, you know, 260. Um, even if he doesn't, even if he just goes back to boring old Dansby Swanson, uh, 
if you just add that to the stats he has now, you still have a, a much better player than I think I thought could be there at the start mm. of the season. Yeah. Um, started out the season really slowly, had a very bad first month, but in his last 36 games, dating back to May 4th, batting 338 with eight home runs and seven RBI. I agree with you. He's not going to keep that pace of a 338 batting average um, over the last 36 games, but uh, I agree with everything you said. And, uh, and he hit a home run. Yeah, he already got a home yeah, run he, today. He hit a home run tonight. That's right. Uh, and man, the, the Braves are just on fire. Um, heading into t- tonight's action, Tuesday night's action, they've won 12 straight. Kenley Jansen has just been going off. He's, I think, second in the league with uh, 18 uh, saves at this stage. So watch out for the world champion Braves, even though the Mets have really been on fire yeah. as well. L- love the back end of that bullpen with Jansen, mm. Minter, and Smith right now. I mean, they yes. they seem really tough to beat. They, I mean, in the last just the last couple of days, we've seen them go to that three set twice and so twice in you know on sunday last sunday and last thursday they threw all three of those relievers in order right or at least you know the those three pitched the end of the game uh Mm -hmm. and in both cases minter and will smith get their holds on less than 15 pitches and kenley jansen gets his save on less than 15 pitches they are clicking like i've like like you rarely see a full bullpen This, this this has those like old royals vibes from you know, from earlier in you know, at the end of the last decade, where mm-hmm. that back end of the bullpen just locked it down. So yeah. even if their starters are struggling here and there, most of them are not, to be clear. But if they do, man, all this team has to do is get to like the seventh inning. If they yeah. cover six innings and they have a lead, oh, it looks like it's over right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they are totally on fire. And uh, moving on, there's been some pretty big names that have hit the IL: Walker Bueller. The Dodgers ace uh, out until September with a, a flexor tender sh- tendon strain. Uh, he's going to be shut down for six to eight weeks. Then he's going to have to begin a throwing program. So that uh, puts him probably to, like I said, uh, September. Uh, what you do with him, he's another high end hold if you have uh, an IL slot. Uh, and I guess it depends on how many IL slots you have. Um, and that's a know. key point, Joe. Uh, I actually had one league where I had to cut him. Because mm. I only get two, and wow. I had Tatis and Hendricks, and I had to make a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, that league also plays a tight bench. I mm-hmm. can't, I can't hold Walker Bueller hoping for those last three weeks because if I don't make the playoffs, I'm not going to need him. Right, right? that's a right. head league. So uh, I had to let him go. It was a unique situation. I don't want to say everyone can just go and cut Walker Bueller, mm-hmm. but there are situations where it's plausible, and that's the part that's like really disheartening. At yeah. no time, up until what? Three days ago, did any of us think there'd be a situation where you'd consider cutting him? Right. right? You, you mm-hmm. couldn't even entertain the idea. It was silly. It was nonsense. And now here I am. I just did it. And it didn't feel great, but my roster was in that position. And ain't nobody trading for Walker Bueller right mm-hmm. now. Your league mates are, oh, yeah, okay. what would I even ask for? I, mean, yeah. I don't even know what I'd ask for. I, I, there's like nothing. I guess whoever I think can stream this week, I don't know. So uh, very difficult decisions there uh, as well. So. Mm. Good luck. Yeah, maybe, maybe Hanniger. Uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, Hanniger might be coming back probably end of June, early July. So if I'm somebody who's uh, stashing Hanniger, I might not make the deal. But yeah, um, you know, like I said, I, 
I have a, a league where I didn't have to make that drastic a cut, Scott, but you know, it's getting to the point where so many players are going on the IL lately. I had a, a league that has three spots for a hitter, three spots for a pitcher, and I ended up having to uh, cut somebody because there was just no more room. But uh, so if you're the Dodgers, I mean, um, you know, what do you, what do you do? And at this stage as a fantasy player, you kind of want a piece of, the starting rotation for the Dodgers just based on how good they are. I mean, uh, Tony Godsolin uh, and Tyler Anderson both are seven and zero. Probably owned in a bunch of leagues already, but uh, Dodger options maybe Mitch White. Uh, Dodgers may have to call him back from AAA unless I missed it. He's still down in AAA. He's only rostered in two percent of Yahoo leagues. And uh, Andrew Haney probably the better choice. I think he's close uh, to coming back. Last Thursday struck out five and four and a third. Uh, scoreless innings so uh, maybe Andrew Haney might be the choice yeah I'm also uh, looking very closely at Ryan Pepio uh, he, mm. he's been pitching lights out in AAA right now he's mm-hmm. got a 1.77 ERA uh, mm-hmm. in 40 uh, in 40.2 innings pitched with uh, I mean he's not giving up home runs he's I mean he's walking a couple guys but striking out a ton I think that's another guy I wouldn't be shocked to see this team rotate around the back end of this Bull, or really the back end of this rotation just because they do have a lot of options that can come in for a particular, you know, a, a certain spot start here and there, right? They actually have a ton of guys who have pitched in the major leagues sitting in AAA right now. Uh, it's, it's a very envious situation for a lot of teams, but even, even guys like Bo Burrows who aren't that good, he's killing it in AAA right now. Mm. Right. He's been one of the best pitchers in AAA for the Dodgers right now. So uh, there's a lot of options. I wouldn't be shocked if it rotates around until one of them forces them to keep him in the rotation. And I Mm -hmm. think Mitch White and Ryan Pepe are probably the two best bets to force the Dodgers hand if anyone's going to. Right. And, you know, we've uh, really been more of a hitting centric podcast, but uh, started the whole thing with uh, tonight with. Pitchers and, and even more pitchers hitting the IL. Red Sox, Garrett Whitlock and uh, Nathan Eovaldi. Eovaldi dealing with lower back inflammation. You know, uh, I guess you could consider him with Sale uh, sidelined. He's the Red Sox ace. Uh, and, uh, you know, who knows how long he'll be out. Back situations could be tricky, but hopefully it won't be a long stay. And Whitlock on the 15-day IL uh, with a hip impingement uh at the start of the season there was speculation that he could become the red sox closer but instead they moved him into their rotation uh mediocre numbers in nine starts 38 k's and 39 innings pitch which is good but a a 4.15 era so according to roster resource uh pavetta hill waka cutter crawford those are the uh four starting pitches in the Red Sox um, rotation right now. And the, basically the Red Sox pitching staff is a mess. Uh, I talked about Whitlock possibly starting the season as the closer. I mean, Cora, Alex Cora, their manager, he, he wants to name a closer in the worst way. You know, you have so many managers that uh, like this bullpen by committee, but he's a guy that just wants to have one guy and he just hasn't been able to get that. I mean, Matt Barnes on the IL, he's, and if been ineffective uh, anyway, uh, Hansel Robles got blown up in his last appearance. Jake Diekman, one save on the season. They've been using him now in the fifth, sixth, and seventh innings of games. Matt Stram, three saves. But lately, Scott, it's been Tanner Houck closing out games for the Red Sox. Uh, he had been used as a starter. And then recent reports said that uh, Cora was going to be using him in shorter relief appearances. So I'm wondering if he might be worth an add just for the fact that he could be 
the uh, Red Sox closer moving forward? I mean, I do think he's the closer right now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no Rick Graham, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He he does have he does have their two. You know, he has two of their three last saves. The other one going to Matt Strom, who I know I mentioned this in the first pitch, but if you remember uh, the name Matt Strom, it's because once upon a time he was actually a uh, an electric prospect as a starting pitcher for the Padres, mm. and he just couldn't control the walk, so he's moved to the bullpen. Uh, I do think though that. That Hauk, who is a you know a former first round pick who's been re- pitching really really well of late, uh, I think that he's just he's there because no one else could take the job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually a chance for Strom and Robles to both take another crack at this starting role, and then they both blew <laughs> they both blew the save on the same day. Yeah, right. Last Saturday they both blew it. So uh, and then Hauk came in on Sunday, the day after their they just watched their bullpen implode, took eight pitches, got the save. Hmm. Right. So uh, and then John Schreiber was right ahead of him. He's pitching obviously very, very well, uh, too. He was drafted by the Tigers. And I actually remember when he, you know, he left and I was a little bummed. I thought there was something there in the bullpen. But uh, hey, I mean, how how's the guy right now? Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that's worth an ad because this offense can win enough games for them to get save opportunities. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Chris Sale could be coming back in July. He's uh, throwing in the upper 90s right now. So uh, they're saying that he might start out in the bullpen. I doubt as the closer, but, uh, you know, he's uh, definitely destined for the starting rotation. But good to see him uh, throwing some heat. Um, Speaking of heat, I did want to say... Avaldi hitting the IL. The big news for me lately has been that velo ended up dropping below 95 miles an hour in a recent start. Unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. When you consider the only reason we even remembered this guy's name back when he was like a Marlin and on some other teams is because he was a Yankee too. But anyway, electric electric fastball. It was hard, hard, hard. And then he finally started pitching it instead of just throwing it because he was getting beat up a lot because you throw, you know, if you throw 99 down the middle, they'll still crush it. So uh, he fixed that, but um, I'm hoping, I mean, I'm not hoping, I'm hoping that he's totally healthy soon. And I'm also hoping that uh, this issue has been what's leading to his drop in velocity because he cannot survive very long throwing sub 95. He needs that elite velocity, his entire rotate, his entire like, uh, arsenal is built around that you know high speed fastball so mm-hmm. hopefully he can get that velocity back it's the first thing i'll be looking for uh after a few starts where you know as he's ramping back up that's what i want to see i want to i want to see he's got to be throwing at least 96 mm-hmm. agreed um tanner scott you're buying him as the uh, marlins closer moving forward at the stage i don't really care <laughs> the the marlins uh bullpen is just something i've i've like tried to pay attention to and every time i do i, I get bored mm-hmm. i see it and i'm like ah, never mind uh but no tanner scott has been very very good of late i think he's probably the guy it's weird for a lefty to be the guy but uh, i think he's that right now i'm not sure how many save opportunities they'll get mm-hmm. but um I think it's it's really him, and then obviously their closer last year, Dylan Floro. He's uh, he's the one that I think could challenge him the most there, but he hasn't done enough this season to make the Marlins you know push him because he's not striking anybody out, and the velocity is still down about two ticks. So mm-hmm. uh, it it is Tanner Scott. Um, if you want to rot, you know, if you want to jump on this train of likely uncertainty. Going forward, um, so many closers people are tough. have to stream their closers. You know, they don't go for the top guy. Like, you know, I mean, they, they didn't go for a hater. Um, and then look, if they went for a Hendricks, 
now they're stuck as well. So uh, I, I guess, you know, Tanner Scott might be a guy, you know, who I was even thinking, and then we're going to move on. Um, but uh, over the weekend, they had uh, mentioned that Corey Knabel was having some uh, shoulder issues, but then they kind of walked it back. But, you know, once you hear that kind of stuff, man, yeah, just, you know, your radar should be going up. So may- maybe it might not be such a bad idea. Grab maybe Brad Hand uh, for a buck or Sir Anthony Dominguez for the Phillies. Uh, Phillies uh, um, bullpen. So just keep that oh, in mind. Yeah. Anyone speculating saves those? Those are two. Those are those two are really good bets. Uh, even if Canable uh, is totally healthy, it's not as though he's necessarily been lights out the way we're used to. He's walking a ton of batters and he's somehow getting away with like the, the locations that he's got and guys aren't hitting it very hard and it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So um, I am a little concerned there, especially when I hear he's getting injured. He just can't strike out this many. He can't strike out this lower number of guys and be walking so many and still Mm -hmm. be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Once you start hearing whispers of like arm trouble and like you said, there's actual uh, data that backs it up. Um, Like I said, just a couple of seconds ago, your radar should go up. Even with Liam Hendricks earlier in the season, you know, he was giving up some home runs um, and he wasn't pitching as well. So uh, just, you know, keep it, keep uh, your eyes open for that. Last picture we'll talk about, then we're going to take a break and then we'll talk some offense. Um, Steven Strasburg, unfortunately, spent so much time on the IL um, and now is back on the IL after making one start. Uh, he felt some discomfort during a, a regular throwing session um, after his start on Thursday. He got lit up, unfortunately, in that first start of the season. So many people, uh, fantasy managers, have been stashing him, you know, if they have an, an, an IL spot, and they gave up seven runs and in 4.2 innings pitch. Hopefully, you know, he come back, but uh, poor guy's just had, you know, been just plagued with injuries. So uh, we'll see what happens. You probably don't need to stash him in most 10 or 12 team leagues right now. Mm. Um, it's it not only is the health a concern, but now we're also fairly concerned about the performance. So when you combine them both, uh, then you start talking about how he's, you know, he's coming up on 34 years old. Uh, there's, there is mileage on that arm. You know, I'm not, I'm not stashing him anywhere unless it's a, a deep league with IL spots. Although I do just want to remind the Nationals that I'm, I'm glad they got their World Series, but man, good thing they saved Strasburg's arm early in his career. It uh, really worked out for them. Sorry, I've always I've always been just so annoyed about how they did that when they I thought had a really nice shot to win a World Series uh, with Strasburg as their ace heading into it. Right, yeah, yeah, we'll, sit him. Mm-hmm. we'll sit him. Mm-hmm. We're going to save him for his career. Yeah, okay. Mm. Win when you can, guys. Win when yeah. you can. Um, were you uh, upset when the Yankees instilled their Jabba rules? Remember Jabba those? rules were hilarious, especially after, <laughs> especially just like, the the public like Joba. If you remember that time, you would think that Joba Chamberlain had all of these like fancy awards for how much we talked about Joba freaking Chamberlain for like three years. So it's interesting that like now it's a, it's a blip on the, it's like a blip on baseball history. The, mm. the words uh, Jabba rules will probably persist longer than Jabba Chamberlain. 
Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, like you said, he's out of baseball right now. So and probably still a fairly young man where he probably could still be pitching probably in his early 30s, I would guess. But uh, so let's take a quick break. We, you know, we talked a lot of pitching. We're going to move the conversation over to offense. I want to talk just a couple of seconds on O'Neill Cruz. I know you want to talk about expected batting average. Then we're going to talk some some uh, players that are really very hot and uh, get your opinion as to whether or not they could keep on swinging a hot bat. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks podcast. Joe Galena, Scott Chu, and uh, as I promised, uh, switching the conversation over to offense. And this is usually a like I said earlier, a hitting centric podcast, but a lot of pitching news earlier on. But I, and I just wanted to quickly talk about O'Neill Cruz. The uh, Pittsburgh Post Gazette had an article uh, mentioning him. Um, Obviously, the top prospect in the uh, pirate system mysteriously started the season in the minor leagues, remains there even though the past month he's cut his strikeout rate, he's hitting for power, hitting for average, stealing bases. And the uh, director of coaching and player development, John Baker, was quoted in an article saying, we want to be smart about his development because there's so much talent inside of that human being that to push it too fast when something is not quite ready, it could be really dangerous for his career. So they end up calling up uh, Kanan Smith. Uh, let me see if I get his name right. Njigba. It's spelled N-J-I-G-B-A. Uh, outfielder, kind of like a you know, average Joe, but you got Cruz stuck down in AAA. It's got to be something else going on with, with Cruz. More like there's something going on with the freaking Pirates. <laughs> uh, when was the last time the Pirates were a relevant contender uh, for, for any reward or for any award besides last, right? Um, and that's because they do stuff like this. They are, they're drinking him around. Like, why is Diego Castillo, how, how can you sit here and say we need to worry about development when you have Diego Castillo bat as your shortstop right now batting him sixth and he's not good um, that's the nicest thing i can say about it he's but he hit five home runs in this in spring training didn't he or something like that so they're sure. rewarding him they're rewarding sure. him <laughs> i bet he did i bet he did they're right? rewarding that performance in spring training the guy's hitting 204 he has a 56 wrc plus he's slugging 306 right like there's nothing here and yet they're trying to say, oh, well, we got to develop O'Neill Cruz. What? Like, okay, so early on in the season, O'Neill Cruz actually did struggle uh, quite a bit when he went down to AAA, and that's gone. 
right? Like he, he's still, you know, he has ups and downs here and there, but he's, he's performing very, I mean, what kind of hitting streak is he on right now? Uh, here, let me, let me pull up real quick. Just since the start of May, I could probably even pull up better numbers. Cause he's just been, he's been good for quite some time now, but since the start of May, what hitting 274, eight home runs, 18 walks to 25 strikeouts. What, what do you want? What do you want this kid to do? Like what, what, what's he supposed to do? Right. Hitting 274, 920 OPS. Uh, he's 12.9% walk rate, 18% strikeout rate. What, what are you waiting for? What's the development? You're not starting him in the outfield. You're still planning to have him as a shortstop, obviously. So, so what are you doing? You're being the Pirates. Nothing's wrong with O'Neill Cruz. Something's wrong with the organization. Pirates. Suppo- supposedly, they did say that they wanted him to to learn to play the outfield. That was part of. They know, started him once and hoped we'd forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honest to God. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I just wrote it up. I saw this article, and I'm like. I have to bring it up when we do our next podcast. So, and just to call out, Diego Castillo's not even a year older than O'Neill Cruz. Hmm. Not even a year, right? Like, you have a team that is no good. Your best players are underperforming. And you have a player with 80 raw power, 80 grade raw power, a six foot seven shortstop that would bring the people of Pittsburgh to your beautiful ballpark. And you choose to start Diego Castillo who I had to look up because I thought it was a reliever. Mm. All right. Like that, that's where we are right now. Um, th- this, this is silly and it's a pirates problem. Yeah. Hey, may- maybe uh Tucupita Marcano is the guy that's holding O'Neill Cruz back because uh, in 16 games batting 313 with a 377 OBP. Did you ever think of that? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have 80 grade power. He's not six foot seven. He's not one of the top prospects in all baseball. But yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, maybe that's it. Right. He doesn't yeah. hit the ball as hard as a uh, Cruz. No, he doesn't do anything as well as O'Neill Cruz. Let's be clear. He does very, nothing as well. Very None of the players they've started at shortstop or in the entire freaking infield in Pittsburgh are as good as O'Neill Cruz. None. But he's the one that needs development. Got yeah. it. Because if they don't get it right. Well, anyway, let's move on. So I, I saw you had uh, asked uh, what the listenership or uh, would like us to talk about. And, and someone had mentioned that I'm actually quoting. I, I forget the, the person who mentioned this, but um, they said hitters out over their skis who should come back to earth. So let's talk about some some hitters that are really swinging a hot bat and whether or not we feel that uh, they could keep it up. So we'll start with the Guardians outfielder. Uh, and we're not going to talk Stephen Kwan or Owen Miller. We're talking Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, has had flashes of power in his minor league career. Uh, no home runs yet in his first 16 big league games this season. And also uh, swinging a 58.9% ground ball rate bat. Uh, just a 1.5% walk rate, but uh, an impressive 12.3% K rate. Um, and through his first 16 games, has a 391, 400, 531 triple slash. Has, like I said, shown some flashes of power. No real speed to speak of. Uh, but uh, his expected stats, and I know it's only 16 games, so you really can't rely on them too heavily. But um, they're very good. Expected batting average, 378. Expecting slug, 565. Expected XWOBA. X, X Wobe, I'm sorry, 406. So uh, what do you think about uh, Gonzalez's chances of keeping this up? Well, here's the thing. So um, first, let's note 
zero home runs, zero stolen bases, and only 12 combined runs in RBI uh, in this time, despite hitting out of his mind, right? You'd think a guy getting on base with, at a 400 clip uh, would have more runs or RBI in 16 games, but he doesn't because the Guardians have an inconsistent offense. So I think that maybe, just maybe, there's a there's a little run here, but this is a, <laughs> I hate to say it, this is a Stephen Quanish player. Uh, mm. Maybe with a little bit more power, uh, he can slap the ball around, but he doesn't have the hit tool Quan has, right? Hit, Quan had one of the top hit tools in the minors coming up. Uh, Quan is the kind of guy that, like, you mention on top 50 prospect articles, but you don't really talk about him, right? You just say, like, um, yeah, he did good last week, and then you kind of move on. So could he be something? Sure, right? This this is always a possibility, mm-hmm. but I don't even think he was really on their radar as, like, a top 10 outfielder in their, in their system right now. <laughs> yeah. So I think that you know, look, the, the X stats are all there and that's great, but, uh, he's got some tools. Uh, there's a bit of power here, yeah, kind of, but his, you know, he, he just doesn't have the upside. What do you want him to be? What do you think he can be? Right. Look at any projections. If I'm the guardians. I'm hoping, you know, like a, a 25 Homer guy. And he had in seven minor league se- seasons, a 281 batting average. I'm hoping for a 265, 270 batting. I'm trying to be realistic, you know, uh, 265, 270 batting average and, and uh, hit home runs on a pace of eh, 20 to, you know, at most 25. I, I'm hoping for more, of course, but I'm trying to be realistic here. And the reason why they, not, not, not the reason why they call them up, but as Quan really cooled off that's when gonzalez uh was called up yeah and he's again like there's there's a play i mean he he can play and he's hot right now Mm. will he hit fourth for very long no i mean one of the reasons he's hitting that is just because this offense is really really thin yeah right like off the top of your head there's oscar gonzalez right now because he's hot jose Mm. ramirez and then what Mm. Right. And then who are you afraid of? Are you afraid of Josh Naylor? He he hits for power sometimes. Owen Miller. He's been one of the worst hitters in all of baseball since his 10 game hot streak to start the season. Yeah. Right. Uh, yep. Andres Jimenez. I do like him. And I think that he has some power. You know, he has some power speed upside and I'm interested. But like you're not you're not benching a pitcher because, oh, well, I don't want him to have to run into Andres Jimenez. Mm. Right. Oh, I, can't, I can't let him do that. Well, let me ask you a question. If Andres Jimenez had a one and two count, would you uh, intentionally walk him? You know, I haven't looked at his splits uh, <laughs> one and two against um, against uh, the the other side of the platoon. So I don't want to I don't want to just, you know, speak out of my butt here. Um, but, you know, I think I do think what I probably if if, I, if it was me, maybe I would just, you know, throw some sliders way below the zone. <laughs> and just walk him naturally. It's yeah. almost like you could just, you know, throw some stuff you know he can't touch. Are you telling right. me you have all that data on on uh, Trey Turner in that very specific count and you don't know where his cold zones are? <laughs> Come on, man. Just throw out the cold zone and miss further away. <laughs> right? Like it, we, Everybody has seen this, like, starting in high school. Like, walk him, but, you know, but make it look sporting. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And yes, every once in a while that turns into a home run, whatever, but this wasn't, that was unlikely to happen. Right. Mm. I mean, they could just absolutely throw way up in the zone and just see if he tries to hack at it. 
Hmm. And then he does it and he walks and you're in the same exact spot you were, except without you're not like getting, cool. <laughs> you're, you're not getting raked over the coals in every media outlet because what you did doesn't make sense because you had a, you had a no risk way to move forward. Anyway, hmm. that's what I would do. That's what I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a major, I, you know, I'm not a manager in the major leagues or in any league, right? They won't even let me coach little league. Uh, but I just feel like, you know, throw, you can't throw one more pitch anywhere. That's <laughs> yeah. not the strike zone. Yeah, I'm sorry for taking you off the rails, but just when you mentioned him, I'm like, yeah, I just had to just throw it in there. But uh, but you, you're right about the Guardians lineup and not not much really to scare you there. Yeah, I, I do want to add, and I'm going to use this as my segue into my rant about expected batting average, expected stats, stuff like that. That's why I uh, mentioned his expected batting average. So you, I, you know, I, I, I had a feeling you were baiting me. So, uh, and it worked. It worked. Mm-hmm. Good for you. I mean, hook, line, and sinker. I'm here <laughs> for it. Um, I want, the first thing I want to talk about is a guy like Oscar Gonzalez and why his expected his expected stats are of some value, but they don't tell you that he's going to be good. It just says, yep, what you're seeing, pretty real, right? Generally, if you if you go at what expected batting average is trying to tell you, it's trying to tell you that the it's trying to tell you whether the batting average you see on the bubblegum card uh, matches what you'd normally expect from people hitting the ball the way that player's hitting, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to call out some very specific weaknesses of expected batting average. When you understand those weaknesses, you'll understand when to take that stat with a grain of salt. I'm not going to use Oscar Gonzalez as a great example because I don't know enough about his batted ball profile, but uh, there's a couple guys uh, that you can always see this with. A great example is, uh, I'll use the extreme, that's Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana does a couple of things that StatCast cannot account for, right? StatCast does account for uh, three exact things and only three exact things. It looks for launch angle. It looks for exit velocity. And if it's a ground ball, it will look at sprint speed. You'll notice I left a lot of things out. Uh, A lot of things that we use to talk about a, a player's entire hitting profile, right? Like pull hitter. You, you didn't hear me talk about the direction of the ball I because did not. that cast does not care, mm. which normally, well, it's not that big of a deal unless I don't know, teams shift against you, right? That's a real good reason why your expected batting average might not match because while for most people, a ground ball hitting that hole has a good chance of getting through yours doesn't because there's another infielder standing right there, Right. So it doesn't account for shifts or defensive positioning. It doesn't account for direction of batted ball, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It also really struggles. uh, And because of that, it really struggles with all pull hitters, especially like pull fly ball hitters, right? Um, Because it's often going to overstate their expected batting average because they think, well, when you're hitting the ball that hard with that launch angle, you should have a great batting average unless you're always hitting it to the same spot in the outfield. I'll use this opportunity to talk about Christian Walker, who is going to move up on the list. You know, I'm not, I'm not just going to plant my flag so hard that I can't see that he is performing better in many ways. But the, the gap between his expected batting average and his actual batting average is like 70 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the largest in baseball. And that's because of two very specific things. They're the same things that Carlos Santana does. Pull heavy fly ball hitters, both of them. Carlos Santana, I think for each of the last, like ever since we've basically had StatCast, he's been at the top, he's been near the top of the leaderboard, like top 15 every year 
in the gap between his expected batting average and his batting average. Not because he's the unluckiest guy of all time. It's not because every time he comes to the ballpark, he breaks all the windows, opens an umbrella, and then like does like a slide on his stomach through ladders, right? That's not yeah. what's happening here. <laughs> what's happening is he has a very, very predictable batted ball profile. Teams know where he's going to hit the ball because he can only hit the ball in a couple certain places. And so they just put guys there. I, I watch the Tigers a lot. I'll actually tell you that Robbie Grossman is running into this problem. Robbie Grossman's problem because he's a heavy fly ball hitter. And this is something I'm expecting to happen to Christian Walker sooner rather than later. Teams are shifting to a four outfield approach against Robbie Grossman. And it has crushed his batting average. He's really struggled because all those fly balls that were finding gaps and holes, they can't anymore because there's four guys out there, right? The third baseman is actually moving back to play left field, right? Because they just mm-hmm. don't care if he hits it on the ground because they're like, okay, fine. Take your base. I bet you won't. And they're right. He hasn't. He struggled mightily with it. Mm-hmm. So um, that, you know, that's the biggest thing about expected batting average that I think you have to keep in mind. It's that there's things it doesn't tell you. Yes, it is a good barometer for luck. Likely the best single barometer that we have, right? But anytime you rely on a single stat, you are always missing something. There is no stat that can tell you everything. They just can't. Mm-hmm. Some get close to telling you a lot, but that means that you know the more it tells you about context, the less it tells you about how you get there, right? WRC plus is great, but there's a lot of ways to get to 200 WRC plus, right? You can get to 200 WRC plus with zero home runs, right? Um, in theory, you could get there without a hit if you just walked every single time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> WRC plus loves walks. It's just the way that weighted on base is, is created. It loves walks. So you have to know the limitations of the stats that you're using. An expected batting average had, and expected slugging uh, and you know expected Woba does a better job balancing this out, but... It just can't talk about directionality. It can't talk about um, really defensive positioning. All of the things that managers do to lower a player's batting average, right? Like Mm -hmm. all the things that would lower a guy's batting average, those that are in the control of a manager, Statcast can't account for, right? Uh, Or at least it doesn't yet. The other thing to sort of know about these expected stats is your league mates love them. All of your league mates love them. And if you are able to identify players who have those, you know, that all red little block in the top right on Statcast, uh, which by the way, remember is extremely redundant in many ways because expected batting average, expected WOBA, uh, expected slugging, exit velocity, launch angle, those five things that are all up there, they all are the accounting for the same thing. They <laughs> The two variables of expect if you are in the 99th percentile of expect of uh, launch angle or I'm sorry of exit velocity and hard hit rate, because, of course, you're at the top of hard hit rate. If you're hitting with the most average exit velocity, right? Makes, like, makes sense, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You won't be one without the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. OK, so that's going to be up there. Great uh, launch angle. If you've got, you know, if you're hitting a lot of balls in the sweet spot, you're, you're also so you're hitting balls in the ideal area where they are likely to become hits. Um, yeah, you do those two things. All the expected stats will turn red too, like tell you that you're doing great because they just read those first couple of things. That's all they do. They're derivatives of two to three stats period. So if you can identify where people think they're getting a real good bargain, 
Um, I think you could probably trade Christian Walker for a lot more than he will be for the rest of the season. Not because I think he'll be bad, but because I think people are going to think there's this huge luck surge coming. And I'm telling you, it ain't. Uh, Maybe, maybe. But the adjustments he needs to make are against breaking balls. Uh, I also think pitchers are going to start pitching to certain locations that are harder for him to hit, right? Uh, He hit a home run off a breaking ball yesterday, and that's great, except it was because Mike Miner was going for a spot that Christian Walker struggles with and just left it too high, right? He Mm. left a belt high slider. Sure, it was inside, but guess where? If you pull up on StatCast, Christian Walker's, uh, you know, nine by nine grids or, you know, just his heat maps, guess what he loves? Down and in especially if you don't get it below the zone, right? So yeah, I think Christian Walker is going to hit a bunch of home runs. I think he's going to continue to hit for a low batting average. And I think there's people in your league that think that's not true. Hmm. And I think you can fleet some. Good point. Yeah. It could be a, a, just a one trick pony because 15 home runs in his first 60 games is a 35 homer pace, but there's 202 batting average uh, and above average 274 XBA. But the way that you're describing it, And I like it. I mean, because he's just basically probably that batting average, like you said, is probably going to stay in the low 200 range. Yeah. I mean, it's not, he is, there is unluck there, right? Mm. Like pulling fly balls doesn't account for a 70 point gap Mm -hmm. between your expected batting average and regular batting average. But there's one more piece of the puzzle that I haven't talked about yet. And it's one that we talk about as baseball fans all the time. There's a new ball. StatCast does not just use this year's data. It uses historical data as well so that it can figure out what average result happens with exit velocity and launch angles, right? It needs as many combinations of exit velocity and launch angles as it can find. Would you drop your change? <laughs> I have a, there's a bunch of coins. I have no idea what just happened. Uh, I'm just too, ex- I'm too excited. It ran for me. Uh, my money runs for me uh, quite regularly, but it, it can't account for uh, a change in the ball, right? So uh, at the end of every season, you'll find that the expected batting average uh, for the entire league is within roughly a point of the actual batting average. Uh, and this actually in most years happens pretty quick, right? Uh, it, they, they stay pretty close together for, cause for all the guys that are unlucky, there's guys that are lucky, right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the world, you know, karma, whatever, it's all out there and it's fixing this, but that's actually not what's happening right now. Right now, there's a 14-point gap between the league's expected batting average and its actual batting average. It's hitting worse than StatCast thinks it should, which is in a giant sample size, right? When you're using every at-bat so far in the league, it's an enormous sample size, more than we get for any individual player uh, in a even a two-year sample, right? It's huge. Mm-hmm. So uh, you do that. And you realize there's a 14 point gap, aka 14 times higher than that gap last year. Mm-hmm. That, that suggests that you kind of have to take 15 ish points right off the top of that gap. So if a guy's gap is, oh, well, yeah, look, see, his expected batting average is 15 points higher than his regular batting average. I think there might be some bad luck here. Uh, it's the same luck the entire league's having, right? <laughs> Which doesn't mean it's bad luck. It actually means I think that StatCast is continuing to develop and continuing to adjust to the new ball that we have all seen with our own eyes doesn't travel the way the old one does. Mm-hmm. And when you hit a ball with, we're seeing the same launch angles and same exit velocities have worse results. Expected batting average wants that to be bad luck, but it can't, it doesn't, StatCast doesn't know the ball is different. 
So it can't make that accommodation. So there's things that are just getting lost. Use this information. Show if when you can send a trade to someone, uh, you and you're not having to convince them the guy is good. You can just send them a tweet of the you know the stat cast stuff. They're going to be interested in trading. Mm-hmm. People, you always think that people want to buy low and sell high. They don't. The natural inclination of human beings is actually to do the very opposite, right? It's not good, but we actually we're actually drawn to buy high because we think it'll go higher, uh, and um, sell. You know, we actually then sell low because we want to cut our losses, mm. right? So those are the things we do. We love to add players after they've had the hottest two weeks of their life, right? Yeah. Sometimes it sticks because true. it's a skill ch- skill change, and sometimes it doesn't because they're Owen Miller, right? Mm. That's like so. So please, Owen Miller stat cast data suggested that everything you saw in the first ten games was real. It was legit because it was because any guy can be hot for ten games. Anyone. Yerman Mercedes was hot for a whole month, folks, who was recently DFA'd. And, you know, thank you for that fun April of 2021. But uh, he, the StatCast data suggested that he was doing fine, right? Like, it was all there when they're hot because StatCast can't tell the difference between a hot streak and a skill change. It only knows how hard you're hitting the ball and what angle you're hitting it in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know what direction, left, right, center. It doesn't know uh, what kind of ball you're hitting, Right. Like if, if a pitcher somehow snuck a tennis ball up there to see if someone could hit it a billion feet, StatCast would be like, oh, hey, that went way further than we thought because it doesn't know it's a tennis ball. It doesn't know. <laughs> it's a machine. It doesn't have eyes. It can only take numbers. So that's my long rant on expected stats. But I really want you to take that in mind because right now people are looking for ways to move up in their league or solidify their spot at the top. You need to take advantage of them by giving them players they think they want. Not That's the ones great. they actually That's want. Great, yes. You want the ones they think they want. The ones they think they want are the ones that are that are hot and not a skill change. Now, there's no perfect way to establish that. But if you've got players where you think, man, this is just a hot streak. And right now, that's how I feel about Christian Walker. I don't expect you all to believe me, right? But I bet you'd be willing to trade with me. And I bet we both are going to feel like we won that trade. One of us is going to be right. But when you actually want to make trades with your league mates, those are the ones that can get done. Those are the ones, and those are the ones that can make a change, right? Okay, I don't think this guy is actually going to be as good as you think he does. And you've probably got a guy who maybe isn't all flashing right or, or at a position of need for me. I'll make that swap because I want to actually sell high. He looks like he could be a you know 35 home run monster and, and shoot his batting average way up. And maybe he hits 30 home runs, but I bet he doesn't do it with a batting average above 240. 230, and I bet people will pay more than the value that he creates for the rest of the season. It's not because I think he's bad. He's moving up the hitter list right now. Like I'm literally staring at the hitter list right now, editing it, moving him up. But um, I bet you can trade him for players that are a lot better on that list because of his recent performance and because of the way StatCast thinks everything is super, super duper legit. When I suggest that I think that pitchers are going to change how they how they attack him because a cursory glance of some basic areas in StatCast suggest that he's got big holes that teams just aren't attacking. And you've already we've already seen teams just drop way off in how often they throw him fastballs. You know why that is? Because if you look at the data, that's the stuff he hits well. He hits the occasional like hung slider or something out, but he does everything against fastballs. He has his entire career, right? I haven't seen anything yet that suggests that's a change. Sure, he's improved some plate discipline. Uh, he's not strike, you know, he's not swinging and missing so much, but he's also taking more called strikes. 
at virtually the same rate, right? So like he's he's fixed some things, but become worse than others. Uh, and I, I just I just don't believe that there's a special player here. I think there's a decent player here, and I want to trade him for someone I think could be special. And I bet you can do it. Help me to help you. That's what you hit your league mates with. And show them the stack cast data, like you mentioned. You know? yeah, well, you, I mean, you, you don't even have to be a salesman. Like, well, what do you think? Hey, are, are you interested in Christian Walker? Ask them. Mm-mm. I bet they are. Because what does everybody, hey, are you interested in this player? What does everybody do? They get on, they go to their favorite stat site and they go, oh, which one do, you know, how's he doing? Right. For me, it's it's fan graphs unless it's pitchers. I'm telling you, the pitcher list, pitcher, uh, pitcher profiles that we have are the best source of information out there. Mm. Uh, not only does it show you all the stats, game logs breaks easy to read game logs broken down by pitch types, how those pitchers perform the CSW for each pitch type right there, game to game. Uh, it's all right there. And then just to make it even better. If you still aren't sure what you're seeing, you'll get to see Nick's starting pitcher roundup comments under each game. That's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, we are building things for hitters. I want to, I, I, you know, I'm not at the core of building this, but I want to give people the ability to do that with hitters. I want to give people the ability to identify the weaknesses. One way that I do that manually right now is that's what I do. Uh, I, I look at guys who are all red and I don't just try to like be the Grinch and say, why aren't they any good? I try to make sure that something's actually changed. Is their batted ball profile different or are they just hot? Right? Because anybody can be hot, but only some players are good. The difference is what makes, fan, you know, if I'm going to be corny, the difference is what makes fantasy baseball championships, right? Mm-hmm. When you know when to cut the guy and when to keep him. Like the only people that lost in the Owen Miller adding frenzy of the beginning of the year are the ones that held him for three weeks too long because mm. they lost all the gains and ended up with an average stat line from him, right? I mean, if you're in head-to-head, whatever, but like even still, you, you kept Owen Miller in a place where he's got a 56 WRC plus since those 10 games. And it wasn't like it was, you know, gradually getting worse. It just fell off. Yeah. That's just ends up that that's just your talent. Doesn't mean you can't add guys who have who look just hot, right? Uh, that's fine. Add them. Just don't keep them. Yeah. Don't just uh, stick them in your lineup without, you know, sorting the stats. You know, on at least a, a biweekly uh, basis, you'll be surprised what you find out. Yeah, and this all goes back to like my other pet peeve, which is where people ask me, hey, should I add this guy? He's at the top of the last 14 days, you know, in in Yahoo. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so do you think he has another one of those? Because you don't get those points. Right. Those are are gone. You don't get those stats. You only get the next ones. So really the question is not, was he good? Of course he was good. The Mm -hmm. the, the numbers tell you that he was good. Will he continue to be good? Yeah, right. The game of fantasy baseball is not, have they been good? And let's be mm-hmm. clear. Statcast does not for one second look into the future. It is only descriptive of the past. Mm-hmm. It cannot tell you a lick about tomorrow, right? Now we can extrapolate. We can use what Statcast has told us about the past to come up with the future. For example, uh, Jordan Alvarez is going safely inside the top 10 going forward for me uh, you'll see that on the list on wednesday and, and the reason for that is because you know i just went on oh just because it's all red is redundant unless of course you're Jordan alvarez and the numbers are all 100 you're literally the best and you have been all season long and actually every time you've been healthy you've been darn near the best right that matters that not just you know some red and pinkish stuff and be like oh i think there's something here like 
Yeah, you can. It's it is redundant. There's a reason a bunch of them are hundreds because if you're a hundred in uh, average exit velocity, right, then you're probably a hundred in hard hit rate, right? Hundredth percentile, the best, duh. And it all you know it all extrapolates. But of course, it's Jordan Alvarez, and he's a monster, just an absolute monster. Huge mm-hmm. fan. So like, it, the Statcast is is sort of reaffirming what I'm seeing on the field. That's what you want to use Statcast for. Take what you're seeing on the field. Watch a guy. I, I can't, I can't, you can never replace watching a guy. Watch a guy. I fell in love with Kyle Tucker, not just because people said he's a, he had good, you know, he had a good prospect pedigree. Cause every time I watched that guy, he fought through at bats. Did he always get hits? No. Right. It's the same thing you do when you go to the minor league ballpark with your family. You go to the minor league ballpark with your family, you get cheap seats, you get cheap food, you have a great time. And every once in a while, you hear a guy who hits the ball differently than everyone else, even when they're outs. It's, you know, you hear these, you hear like regular, you know, ball on wood, ball on wood. And then it kind of sounds like uh, a cannon shot. I mean, when I went to West Michigan a few years ago, that was Riley Green. Riley Green, who I hope is being called up soon um, and, and would be worth an ad in almost every league. Uh, and is going to, you know, he's not going to be quite on the hitter list yet, but he's already been at the top of the next 30 for, you know, ever since I made it. But the the reason, you know, that he's different is because I, you know, I said, oh, I heard he's really good. And then I watched and. Yeah, he went, over, I think he was 0 for 2 in the at-bats I watched entirely through because there was also a lot of burgers and beer. But uh, <laughs> what happened was when I watched Riley Green, I went, all right, what are you going to do? His fouls were loud. His outs were loud and far. The, the moment he hit the ball, everybody in the whole park was like, oh, that's a hitter. That guy's going to the majors, right? I mean, it's just, you don't have to know much about baseball to be like, hey, like, I half expected, you know, I half expect to hear kids going like, daddy, what kind of bats he using? Right. Because it's louder. It's just a different form of contact. It's a different level of skill. You stat cast to reaffirm those things, not to form your opinion entirely. Stat and you're not going to use stat cast on uh, Jordan Alvarez, but you're going to use them on uh, players that join the fence of. Even if you use the stat cast on Jordan Alvarez, the reason I say I love his red, because every time you watch Jordan Alvarez, you'll instantly understand how all that stuff is red. Mm. You, you, you cannot watch him for more than one or two games without going, oh boy, that fella can hit. Better than, you know, as good as anybody in the major leagues. And I don't mean like anybody in the middle of the major leagues. I mean like his, you know, just as far as like hit tool and power, he is among the elite in all of baseball, Right. And StatCast is telling you that. But you don't need StatCast to give you that opinion all on its own. Just go watch a game. Watch a clip. Not just of a home run, but like watch an at-bat. I'm telling you, you will see that, oh, that's a special player. But when I watch Christian Walker right now, I see a guy who's, you know, he is jumping on bad pitches. But he's mostly just jumping on, you know, fastballs and bad breakers. And I'm like, well, that's the guy I saw two years ago. Who was a decent, you know, fringy top 12 to 15 first baseman. But not the top five baseman that StatCast suggests that he ought to be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not its not because of luck. It's because I don't see a skill change. I mean, I do see skill changes. I see approach changes. I see things like that. But at the end of the day, they all still add up to a guy who's trying to find fastballs and bad breakers to yank down the foul or yank down the third baseline and send over the fence. It's the same guy he was before. I'm not convinced he's all that different. So I don't care what StatCast has to say, right? Because... I'm sure if I was able to pull small samples from throughout his career, he's got ranges just like this. Now, uh, I do like that his rolling charts, just to bring us full circle to my favorite thing, rolling charts will help you understand this with additional context, right? You're like, ooh, 
you know, this is kind of this kind of looking good. Has he done this before? Is this new? But if it just looks like the same up and down, you're like, okay, maybe this isn't a new player, right? And if it looks like there are significant changes, then you can start questioning if there's skill change, right? Especially when it's over a prolonged period of time. But that's how you have to use StatCast. You can't just be like, oh, the StatCast is red. Bye, bye, bye. Doesn't work that way. It can never work that way. You, you have to use it as mere context. It is context. And it's limited context. It's the best context we have available, but it's still limited. It's not as good as your eyes. And I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to be super old school. I'm just trying to say that's the way StatCast works. So, you know, I, I, again, very, very long rants on this, but I really hope folks get an understanding of StatCast is not our Bible. It's really cool. It allows us to talk about things happening in baseball in ways in better ways than we ever were able to before. And they are still deficient in predicting the future. They don't try to predict the future. They just try to describe the past and it's missing key variables. And you have to understand that it misses. I'm going to repeat it just because I've been talking about so long direction. The ball major league baseball is using the positioning of the outfielders. So guys that get shifted a lot, Statcast can't, doesn't know that. It doesn't know it's a different ball. It doesn't know this guy gets shifted every single at bat. And it doesn't know that he's constantly yanking it down the third baseline or the first baseline, right? It just doesn't. Carlos Santana is a switch hitter. He bats left-handed most often. Uh, so he hits a lot of hard ground balls right between the first and second baseman, just like every other guy who hits left-handed that pulls the ball a lot, right? And his expected batting average is always higher because he hits them hard. And a lot of those ground balls at that velocity would get through. But you see, managers invented the shift because they figured out how to stop it, right? We all knew that if you pound a ball through that spot, you're probably going to get a hit because you can't pull your first baseman that far off the bag, especially if there's someone on first base. But managers found out, well, what if I just take my third baseman over here? Put him there. Well, you know, yeah, this guy could bunt, but I hope he does. Right? <laughs> and I'll never understand why more players just don't bunt it down the third base line. <laughs> that would end the shift. Instead of having to switch uh, strategies, like uh, I think in 2023, 20, uh, I believe they're going to uh, ban the shift. Don't ban the shift. Uh, have uh, batters force the issue. You know, right. practice <laughs> bunts. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Now, now, or don't even bunt. Just like practice directional hit the other way yeah yeah you, you tell me like it, it's it is difficult to control directional hitting because you can't control whether the pitch is coming inside or outside high or low mm. but like players practice directional hitting all the time mm -hmm. but also keep in mind that the shift is designed to force they want they wanted poppy bunting right because poppy ain't never gonna bunt a ball and get to second ain't gonna happen it was never gonna it never did right yeah it, you, even in the little league, they'd end up getting the ball to second before he got there. Right. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that we just have to be thinking about all the time when we're looking at, because Poppy would have had these great expected batting averages that would have even exceeded his real ones because they would have thought that the balls he hit that hard with, you know, not great launch angles, but right through that hole. Uh, a lot of guys would have gotten a hit unless you had your whole infield just sitting there waiting for it. Mm. which is what happened every game against you, everybody shifted him because you had to players get shifted all the time. Uh, and I think the reason I don't believe in Christian Walker to bring that full circle is because I do think they're going to start shifting him. And I do think they're going to change how they pitch to him. 
And then the expected batting average is just going to start matching up with his real batting average somewhere much lower than it is now. Hmm. Well, great strategy from Scott Chu uh, on expected stats. And uh, I, I guess that just says it all, Scott. Oh, yeah, we did have a rest of a script, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. Um, well, uh, I, I, I guess at this point we should just continue that maybe next week. What do you say? I mean, I, I, I can tell, you know, I, I could probably, I could probably, uh, you know, we could talk a little more, but in, maybe instead of me just telling you who I think is, is going to be hot necessarily, take, take this, take this tool and run. Use, use this time where everyone's trying to change or everyone's trying to trade, blah, blah, blah. Take this tool of expected batting average and know more about it than the rest of your league. They all know a good expected batting average is good and you know what else it means. It means it's good um, unless the player has certain profiles that would exaggerate a player's expected batting average. Like heavy ground ball hitter, heavy ground ball pull hitter, heavy pull fly ball hitter, right? Anything that you can shift against, anything will absolutely impact uh, the expected batting average in a way that your league mates probably don't even think to look. Mm. And the fact that the ball is different. And that the whole league is 14 points off, right? I, they probably don't realize that. So find guys who have like a 25 point different, gap. but it's almost, you know, different on any given night, right? There were the stories about them using a different ball, depending on the audience. If it's a nationally televised game, they might be using a ball that uh, does produce you know, it does travel farther. So uh, it, it's crazy at this stage. Yeah. And all stuff that StatCast can't even begin to account for. Exactly. Yeah. Be smarter than the machine. Mm. Right. Robots don't win fantasy baseball leagues. Humans do. Right. Because right. we get to make decisions that don't have to be entirely based on data. We can use scouting. We can use our eyes. We can use beliefs about players. Right. Um, oh, and finally, I'll just talk about a player coming back. Uh, please don't forget about Taylor Ward. I, yeah, I love right. everything I've seen from Taylor Ward, and just I'm using stat- up again. Mm-hmm. take it off the uh, and I'm, I am using Statcast to reinforce my love of Taylor Ward, but not because the expected batting average and expected slugging are great, right? Not because the exit velocity is great. It's because I'm watching that rolling chart and I see him making adjustments earlier and fa- like faster. And better every single time, man, every every single time this guy is plateaued for just like two weeks, he finds the next level. He just keeps doing it. The, you know, a player who, you know, the first player I noticed that was doing this and what really got me diving deeply into it, Fernando Tatis Jr. That was the first rolling chart where I was like, every time this guy struggles, he gets better at fixing it and becomes better than he was before, like better than his previous best. Every time. That's what I'm seeing Taylor Ward do. Will he continue to do that? I don't know, but it's a heck of a sign that every time he struggles, he he kind of fights through it and then comes back better. He makes those adjustments. The best hitters in all of baseball are the ones that make adjustments, not the ones that just have, you know, a hard swing, right? They have to make adjustments. Taylor Ward's been doing it. Uh, I can, I, I would absolutely be someone who's also trying to trade for him. But uh, yeah, expected stats are awesome. Just don't use them wrong, please. Please don't use them wrong. Please don't think that they tell you more than they do. 
All right. Great stuff from Scott. And it's good hanging out with you again after a couple week absence. And uh, it slams the lid on things for today. And uh, we'll get together again next week. Look for Scott's updated hitter list to come out today because uh, this podcast, uh, even though we're recording it on Tuesday night, it's going to debut on Wednesday. Uh, don't forget to follow me at Joe Galina. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. And follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Uh, leave us a, a review if, uh, if you don't mind. And uh, as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. We'll see you next time. <laughs>